Welcome to This Is My Story with Steve Hayes. Uh, this is where we just talk to folks like you and me. And what we find out is that everybody has a story and that God can use anybody's story to, to, to help tell his greater story. So we're here today with Ashley Holmes. Hey, Ashley. Hello. Ashley is a teacher. She uh, works at Bowie Elementary School here in Corsicana. She's been part of our church for a little while now, and um, she's married to Joe, and they have, uh, Holly, I just, your your uh, little ones are awesome, but Denali just, yeah, she, she kind of has my heart. She steals everyone's heart. Yeah, she's beautiful, so... Um, Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You bet. We've been wanting to do this for a long time, for like two years. Two years. And um, so this is a long time coming, and I think it's going to be great uh, for you guys to to hear Ashley's story. Um, Let's start with this, Ashley. So uh, you and I know this because we've talked about this before, but um, your story's been a complicated story. Yes. And... um, where do you want to jump in that's always my hardest part is like where does it begin yeah because it's really like as soon as i could have an awareness of consciousness that's where it begins yeah so it's like so where do i start telling it and it just depends on what people need to get out of it you know if i'm talking to young girls i have one direction to go if i'm talking to kids i have another adults i haven't really talked to adults much about my story yeah so it's just where i start is where i need to be or who i'm talking to but yeah it definitely starts i would say the first memory i have with interaction with god or questioning god I was four years old, and um, <clears throat> so I was just aware and asked my mom questions, why? That was probably my favorite question in church is why. And it actually got me kicked out of um, not youth group, but a Sunday school class. And they were talking about stuff, and me and my twin we were like, that doesn't sound right. And we asked why, and they told us not to come back. So Really? <laughs> yeah. Like, don't come back. Yeah, they're like, it's probably best if you didn't come back wow so has that been a lot of your a lot of your story is just you you have a leaning maybe toward um identifying or thinking through things in a little bit of a more abstract abstract and maybe difficult way and and that's not always looked at as good by the church yeah and i mean to me there's it's more than just why. I want to understand how um, it works. I want to understand how people work and what what works and what doesn't work. I have my degree in sociology and counseling. I study conspiracy theories. Um, so I'm really into how people are thinking. And I look mm. at the church and I'm, I'm like, okay, that's wrong think, mm. for lack of a better word. Um, and so I do get frustrated with it. It's very frustrating but let's take a quick time out and I want to make sure that I'm because what I see on here doesn't look good. I'm 
So you're you're four years old. You're already questioning things. Mm-hmm. You're already getting sort of reprimanded as like, no, you know, we we just come here and consume. We don't really question. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sort of continued on from there. Yeah, I mean, I still do it. So yeah. I don't think I've ever not questioned. Uh, there's a <clears throat> one of my falling outs because I fell out with the church for about eight years, um, late teens early mid 20s and what started that was after 9-11 I was in a prayer group and um, me and my twin because we're partners in crime our lives are connected especially in our early years (coughs) Mm -hmm. Um, we were people were saying how we need to convert Muslims and really power down on that and stuff and so our response was (coughs) Well, you know, they believe what they believe as much as you believe, so they're not just going to let you convert them. You know, that's right. we should be looking at other options and, you know, let's think of other ways to go with this. And um the next day when the girls we didn't go to the night prayer group and one of the girls said, "Oh, we prayed for your souls." And so wow. that was an immediate like, "Okay, we're done." <coughs> uh, so I didn't go back. Yeah. to that and I just experienced so much of that in my life where I would say something and not really get the response that I thought was correct um, when I really started diving in to reading the Bible was um, so most of my life is struggle I've had so many traumas throughout my life but uh, my early 20s is when I started like trying to open up to people at the church and it was just a blame game a victim blame Mm -hmm. game and you know well you're not playing praying right you're not doing this right you're not if you went to church more often or if you paid tithes or you know just everything that was not you know maybe it just happens maybe bad things just happen and so when I moved to Virginia in 2010 I was with my first husband which Virginia to me was a time of like, that was if I could identify a place as hell, that was my moment. Mm. And meaning that absolute loneliness, you know, physically, he was always gone. He was deployed three months and two months. So I was physically, spiritually, had no family. I had a couple of friends, but they had their lives and, you know, weren't consumed with mine. And it was really during that time I looked into what the Bible says about suffering. And the first time I read, I knew about Job and I read parts of it, but the first time I read it all the way through, I was like, oh, I know these people talking about his friends. I'm like, those people are talking to me. And it's funny because Job read it recently and he's like, no, I know what it's like to be a friend trying to tell. (laughs) So we saw it from two and that was kind of cool to see it from two different perspectives. But it was just, um, and then I read a lot of what Paul writes, you know, Paul is all about suffering. He says rejoice in the sufferings. And, um, and I finally really got down to conclusion that our faith, Christianity is found it in suffering, the ultimate mm. suffering, which is Jesus Christ on the cross. And so why would we not suffer as mm. Christians? You know, our person that we, our lead, leader, our father, you know, Christ died in suffering. So we living 
as Christ lived, we will suffer too. Yeah, and I, <clears throat> I think you're right about that. And I think uh, it seems like um, a lot of modern Christianity uh, is is more teaching along the lines of how do we avoid suffering? How do we get away from suffering? How do we get health and wealth and prosperity? Um, and and that kind of thinking does lead to kind of prescriptive, easy answers mm-hmm. and things like that. And so it sounds like, um, and what I think what ends up happening is you, <laughs> if you think that way and you move toward kind of an embrace of that suffering, you almost get bullied out of it by the modern mm-hmm. wave of, no, yeah. no, we're supposed to feel good all the time. And it's very grace-centered yeah. now, the modern Western mm-hmm. culture, church. It's not, it's... Um, you know, well, Christ will forgive us for everything, and then um, almost like a reward. Uh, I One thing I could not imagine, and I know plenty of people who believe that every movement you make, I don't know if it would be Calvinism, mm-hmm. I think so, where every choice you make, every movement you make is God-driven, and I'm just thinking like, that would be a disappointment in my life because yeah. I would definitely question God because I already questioned God knowing that, you know, to me, bad things happen because sin is in the world. Yeah. That is why bad things happen. Why? Because Why is there sin? Because there's man, you know, mm-hmm. and man causes sin and sin causes bad things. It's not God. God has given us free will and freedom, but I could not imagine going around thinking that everything I've done is you know somehow god's punishment and that's not what the bible says i mean not even in the we have job in the old testament we have naomi in the old testament Mm -hmm. so that shows that god still cares even though we're suffering yeah and and the fact that his own son entered into suffering so that we might ultimately find some freedom and i think that's misunderstood by a lot of people that 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 freedom and that sinlessness and that uh, and the joy of of that is always going to be experienced in the here and now. And I think the the hope that we have is that the here and now is not the whole story. Mm-hmm. That the here and now is a time of difficulty, hardship, struggle. For, for some more than others, but ultimately our hope is is for a time where we don't have to experience that any longer and everything will be made right. Mm-hmm. But that time, by definition, is not now. No. There's so you much know. more than this world. This is very temporary. So how do you find meaning? How do you convince somebody else who isn't a Christian, um, hey, come enter into suffering? Uh, it's really so to talk about suffering you really cannot talk too much about it when someone's in suffering Mm. so because they don't want to hear it you never know what they're going through and it's true you don't know what even if someone experiences the exact same thing you're going through you didn't experience how they were going through it 
So, and even like I, I witness, and I'm so try really to, hard to check myself on this. I'll witness someone get upset about something minor. And I'm like, that's it. That's what you're upset about. There's so much more. And I do have to check myself on that. But someone who is currently suffering, support, you know, be an example in that case. Let them see your life and know what you're going through. Tell them your story. Let them decide. You don't push them. If you push them, you're going to push them away. And the best thing is just be an example in a support system. So you mentioned earlier that you, that kind of the theme of your life has been Mm -hmm. trauma. So much trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, Without, you know, without getting into naming names or anything (laughs) like that. Give us an example of of some of the trauma that you've endured. Um, So there's a lot of trauma I don't remember as a kid, but I have the results of it. Like, I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I'm still experiencing anxiety, depression from that time. But the, well, I say that the first major trauma that I can remember is when um, pretty much my family fell apart. Everything my parents were dis- disputing whether or not they should be together. Ultimately, they stayed together, but that just turned our family upside down. And it was pretty, pretty traumatic. Um, I was, yeah, I was 13 because we make a joke. It's the 13th year was um, when a lot of stuff, our family, that was a b- very bad time for our family. And then that same year, it was summertime and, um, I was with my grandparents and my cousin, and there's a guy who just kept following me around. I didn't know him. He was 16, and he wouldn't leave me alone, and ultimately, I was raped. Mm. So that was when I was 13. Um, And then, I don't know, just, so it's pretty much, I can't go a year without some life-altering, most recent I don't know if you would consider, I had a hysterectomy. I don't really, that's not really traumatic. Um, but I, I had a poodle, a toy poodle, and I watched, this was in October, I watched her be brutally chewed up by another dog. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had miscarriages, infertility. So Denali really was a miracle baby. So February 2020, I had a miscarriage. March 2020, I had surgery, and then it was 2020, and um, then I got pregnant with Denali in May of 2020, mm. so it was, it was a lot during wow. that time, and on top of that being 2020. Then my Great. first marriage was just horrible, Fi- uh, not physically, but verbally, emotionally, sexually, everything. It was just so much, and complete narcissist, like check mark down the line mm. and people are like well how do you end up it doesn't start out that way that's <laughs> right. what I would never be with an abusive person well no it doesn't start out abusive like yes or a red flag but you're Monday quarterbacking it you know like right. yeah if, if I would have looked back I would made now I see it I didn't back then um so it's just one thing after another to point I'm kind of used to it how do you get to the point where <clears throat> you're, um, and maybe you are at this point, where you're not just sort of 
waiting for the other shoe to drop all the time. Oh, no, I'm not at that point yet. Um, It is very, the scariest thing, which I am at a point where I have stability, so I am on edge. It is stability scary to me because I don't have it. And so now that I'm having stability, I'm like, okay, when is this going to be interrupted? Right. Like what, what's going to happen just on that constant edge? So I don't know the answer to that because I haven't gotten to that point where I can just relax and breathe and be like, okay, I don't have to wait for the next bit. Getting better. I used to have like panic attacks over it, but now I can calmly go through it. Well, and that's kind of the nature of trauma Mm -hmm. is, um, Mm -hmm. You've experienced it. It shocks the system and everything else, mm-hmm. and and it makes you not trust the, uh, you know, when things are going well. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know. Especially when you have back to back trauma, and mm-hmm. like if I went a year without something bad happening, that would, I don't know, suspicious kind of. Like, okay, did I miss something? Is something going to happen? How bad is that thing going to be when it happens? Right. If I go that long without anything bad happening. So how do you balance the, you know, the definitely Christian idea (laughs) that, yes, we are are grafted into a faith that has a rich history and tradition of suffering that has at its core— the suffering savior um, that talks a lot about struggle and suffering and that says you can expect persecution in this life. How do you balance that with every good and perfect gift comes from above from the father of lights and how do you balance the suffering with the, with the goodness of God? Well, I have, I mean, to me, I have gifts through my suffering I mean, I, I believe Philippians 4.12, it gets misused. It's 4.12, right? Or 4.11. The, uh, you know, the strength in Christ uh, can do all things. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's 4.12. Um, and you don't, a lot of people misuse that, but it's true. Like, in my weakness is where I find Christ. Mm. And through Christ, I find my strength. And so that goodness comes there. The world that we live in, that's the bad. And through the bad, we see our strength, which is Christ. In the dark, we see the light. Mm. And the um, darkest, the darker it is, the um, less light you need to see. So mm. the less the brightness. And so in my darkest time is when I found Christ. And my testimony, my time of, that I say, like I was say, I was baptized when I was nine years old, and rightfully, I mean, I had, I knew what I was doing, um, but I was truly saved when I was twenty five years old, and um, it was, a, I've I've had suicidal ideation throughout my life. It was really bad when I lived in Virginia, um, and even attempts, because I was so alone, and there's just one day that I, you know, was in my usual dark place, and I went and took a, a knife and cut my wrist, or to cut my arm, it wasn't my wrist, just to feel pain. And then mm-hmm. I realized I didn't feel the pain anymore. So I had become so emotionally numb that I became physically numb. 
And at that point, I just collapsed in front of the bathroom and I did grab my Bible and I just, I couldn't take it anymore. And I knew I had to leave my situation. And there was, you know, two ways out. And one was to physically get out there, like get in my car and get out. And the other was to, um, you know, die. And I opened my Bible and I said, God, I'll give you one more chance. Like, you know, you shouldn't make threats to God, but I did. And I opened my Bible and it landed on Romans 5.3, which is through tribulation, character, character, Mm -hmm. um, strength, and strength, hope, and endurance. And that was just so profound and perfect at that moment. There's really no other explanation that I would land at exactly what I needed at that time. And I just randomly opened the Bible and pointed, and that's what came out. Wow. And at that moment, like, it's just, I kind of heard Carrie Underwood, the Jesus, or, yeah, Jesus take the wheel, mm-hmm. and I just let go and completely surrendered myself at that moment. And I just, it felt like I was being lifted up by God. I could feel that strength coming from it in my most weakest moment. And at there, it I mean, it didn't get better. Things did get worse. But from there on out, I knew I wasn't alone, that I did have that strength and that support. So that's where the good is. I mean, it is Christ himself, Jesus himself, is where the good is in our fallen, broken world. Would you consider that experience a miracle? Oh, yeah, it definitely was, because mm-hmm. I probably would not be alive today if it wasn't for me landing on that verse. And in that <clears throat> in that moment, what did that communicate to you about God? That he was there, that he is there for me, mm-hmm. that stuff is going to happen, but he is there to catch me if I fall. One of the things I like to compare is um, Navy SEALs Hell Week, where mm. so they, you know, people who don't know, they put them through everything. It's called right. that for a reason. But the thing is, you you have to quit. You can't, they don't kick you out. You have to ring that bell. You have to quit. So they push you to a point because they only want the best. They push you to a point where you quit. But on the sidelines, what you do not see are the medics that are there, that if something does happen, they're going to save you. And that's kind of, uh, to me, a good metaphor with God. We don't see him there, but he's not going to let us be completely destroy ourselves. He is there for support. We just have to seek him out. Mm. And how how much of a role do you think sort of, when I hear that story, I just, I hear that you came to the end of yourself. Mm-hmm. How much of a role does that play in making a true connection with God? I don't think you have to. That just happens to be where I was because I'm hard-headed and stubborn. But there's definitely, you know, like Joe, we completely had different lives growing up. And he was raised in the church. But there's plenty of people who are raised in church who are good followers and don't need that experience because they have that support system. I needed that experience because I did not have that support. I didn't know what it was like to be in a family, a Christ-like home. And so I had to experience that to know that God was there for me. Yeah. I used to love this song uh, by DC Talk, 
that talked about how some people have to learn the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm the kind of guy who has to find out for myself yeah. or something. And that sounds kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, your personality type mm-hmm. is that, you know, um, do you think that something about that personality type almost lends itself to the hard stuff? I don't think so much it's my personality type. I think it's my mistrust issues mm. that I don't trust what people tell me. Yeah. Like I need to, I, I need to find out for myself. You yeah. know, people are lying to me about what the Bible said. Mm. You know, that, that broke a lot of trust. It's like, well, no, it doesn't say that at all. You're right. wrong. Um, and so I think it comes more from, you know, I can't just trust God's there. I have to see him there. Yeah. What would you say? Because, you know, I would venture to guess that <laughs> if anybody listens to this, <laughs> um, <laughs> I always say people in the audience. And then I'm like, let's face it. There's not that many people in the audience. <laughs> the two of you who are listening. <clears throat> that's right. right that's right. All two of you. But I would venture to guess that somebody who's listening to this um, has some of the same issues. Mm-hmm. What would you say to people who struggle with with trust like you have? Um. I mean, it's hard, and, you know, whatever I say, they're not, it's, that trust isn't going to be there anyways, but um, that vulnerability is a strength, which is something I, that's, I struggle with that, accepting that there, to be vulnerable is okay. I was told as a kid, we cry in the closet, we don't cry in front of people. So just kind of encourage that vulnerability to encourage to let people in, even if it's hard. And right. to recognize certain cues. That's good. Where Where are you at now? You mentioned stability now in your life. Yeah. Where are you at now with your, with your walk with God, with your marriage, with your church, with all those things? It's just it's so fickle now. Um, I think my sh- relationship with God has always been strong, and it will continue to be. That's pretty much what gets me through stuff. If I didn't have that relationship with God, I don't know what, you know, where I'd be or what, who I'd be, or if I'd be. Um, I, it's I go in and out if I want to go to church and worship, and then if I just want to stay home and study. So I have my moments where I just need to be introverted and just study and just get my head straight again before I start interacting with people. But as far as marriage, it's great. My first marriage was not Christ-centered, mm. and it makes a huge difference. Like, just Joe being so, his foundation in Christianity is so good, and just having that strength along with, it just, it helps. It really does. It's awesome. And then kids, I like, have great kids I'm no complaints like I have a preteen and yeah she has attitude every now and then but it's a mom and daughter relationship and uh, we get there she's great um Denali's awesome she's um uh, just to say um for the two listeners Denali <laughs> <laughs> Denali uh, has down syndrome and mm-hmm. she has and she had a doctor's appointment today for her heart so I don't know how that is going but the last time it was, she had two holes, and mm. one of the holes was nearly closed up. So when I get home, I'll find out about the other hole. But it was closing. So that's if good. that if that completely closes up, like, that's unheard of. Um, 
she was very close to being having to get open heart surgery, but they don't do it right. as much anymore because of new technology. And you know, she's walking. She's two. I mean, it took two years to walk, but she's walking, and she has very good fine motor skills. She's communicating mostly through sign language, but some verbal cues. So, I mean, right now, I would say I don't have any complaints. You know, I ha- awesome. I still have those medical issues, you know, epilepsy. I'm, you know, cured of endo now, endometriosis, sorry, um, from the hysterectomy. So, okay. that, that's, it's not technically a cure, but it's, like, it's pretty much a cure. Um, so, hopefully, I don't have to deal with any pain, which I haven't, which has been great. Yeah. I haven't dealt with pain, um, well, that kind of pain since I had my surgery, even, um, so endometriosis surgery, it's the only type of surgery I know you feel better after immediately, like in the recovery room, you feel better. Like, Uh it's just that, that bad. It's not because of the medication. It's because it's, it gets heavy and you feel, you feel lighter afterwards. You, uh, watching you and Joe go through, um, you know, finding out about, Denali and finding mm-hmm. out her Down syndrome and um, <clears throat> dealing with all that. I mean, I had never seen a couple deal with that with such, uh, like, y'all were just unflappable. Y'all mm-hmm. were like, yeah, it is what it is, and <laughs> and we're good. Like, it didn't seem to devastate you, um, and maybe it did, but I just uh, it wasn't something that I, that I witnessed with y'all. I was just struck by how it, it didn't do that. And as the dad of a special needs son, mm-hmm. um, ours was a little different because we didn't find out yeah, until Pierce was later. But you guys knew, you knew what you were facing and you just dealt with it. And I was amazed by that. How did you, how did you handle that? I don't know. So well, I guess. Uh, I have a life skills background, which mm-hmm. helped tremendously. So, which is, I don't know, ironic or convenient that um, I was, it was my third year teaching life skills that I got pregnant with her. Um, And then my grandmother's life skill teacher, my um, sister's life skills, my dad life skills teacher, and my mother was special needs teacher. So, it's just always been a part of my life that they're not different. Yeah. And so, that's just what I grew up around. That's what I knew. And so... If she, if anybody's going to be born with a disability, my family's the one to be born in because we, so I knew my family, how they would react. We had a deal. I'm like, okay, Joe, you tell your family because I know how to deal with my family. They're going to be fine with it. It's not going to be a big deal. So that helped the most and that I already knew what to expect. I knew, you know, like with autism, you don't really know. Like I knew when I was pregnant and we could prepare ourselves and Mm -hmm. autism, you don't know. It just kind of springs up on you. Um, But I, I know about things with um, occupational therapy. I know how to do academic, you know, the sign language. I I knew the sign language. So um, it, it was, it was easier because I knew. And I think because I had confidence, Joe had confidence and it also helped this is when social media can be helpful. So Joe, we set him down, me and my sisters, and we showed him all the different successful people with Down syndrome. There's like a triathlon. 
There's uh, um, there's several models. There's a cheerleader. There's uh, owning business actors. Mm-hmm. Like there's just that doesn't mean you're limited to life. And I yeah. think that helped him as soon as we established that for him. Yeah. Well, you do have an awesome story. Is there anything else that you would like to share about your story that we didn't cover that you just want people to know? Um, I can't. I mean. I could go on all day about my story, but I think we covered most the bit of it. Yeah, and you have a book as well. Is your book available to people? Not anymore because I didn't renew. <laughs> oh, you did <laughs> It cost money to renew it. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Well, but, do you have any copies if anybody? Would... Yeah, I have some copies. Okay. So if someone's interested. So if y'all are interested, reach out to me and we'll get you a copy. Um, thanks for taking the time. Mm-hmm. Well, Two years. You. I know. We'll have to do it, it again, too. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to do it again. I'm, I'm, for me, it means a lot that you, um, that you trust me enough to do this, <laughs> and it means a lot that you guys are a part of our church, and we're just we're thankful for you, and um, and it means a lot because of Joe too. You yeah. know, I'm I was a youth pastor here when Joe was younger, and know his family well, and got to do y'all's wedding and yeah, everything I was about to say, so, and you did our wedding <laughs> yeah so i mean it's funny because we got we actually kind of have a lot of history now yeah, which is cool yeah. hey thank y'all for joining us with this is my story with steve hayes and i hope that um that this will do something for you if you have any questions about it holler at me reach out and um hope y'all have a great day